0: Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Founder Podcast, where we help founders and business owners grow their companies from zero to 10 million. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. David Kindlin is the CEO and co-founder of Epion, a rapidly growing intelligent HR solutions company from Ireland. He joins me today to discuss Epion's growth journey. I love these episodes where the founders started a company to solve a problem they were having in the workplace. This is the reason David and his Co founded Epion to help companies turn HR administration and benefits from a chore to a competitive advantage. Their company has a lot of momentum as they're in the middle of scaling and growing globally. You'll hear about his current challenges, what he learned so far, and what he would have done differently. This is all about growth and how you can apply these lessons to your startup or your business. At the end of this, please make sure you visit our website where you can find the show notes plus the links mentioned with David. If you enjoy this podcast, please do subscribe so you're always the first to know when a new episode is released. Now, let's get this interview started. Hey David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi Brett, thank you very much for having me.
0: It's great to have you coming all the way from balmy Ireland, right, at this time of year. As you were talking off here.
1: <laughs> it's beautiful. Actually, we, we've been having a decent bit of sunshine for the last, uh, probably the last 10 days, which is pretty rare. Um, but yeah, as I, said, as I said before we came on, we, I don't live here for the weather. There's lo- lots of other reasons we live here.
0: So. Exactly, and we'll get into maybe some of it with the the business aspect. But before we get into kind of the the core of of what I want to talk about, if you don't mind for the audience, just share a little bit about your background and and what you're doing today, and then we'll we'll dig into that journey a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I suppose, look, I I started my career uh, started my career in the insurance world. So over over twenty years ago, I got uh, I got my first job uh, working for an insurance company, one of the the big global leaders in insurance. A company called Allianz. I I moved through the in, the insurance industry, got some ex, got some relevant experience in different parts, and then I found my niche, which was employee benefits, and I became a, an employee benefits and financial advisor in the consulting world. Again, working with working with companies in different parts of Ireland, different shapes and sizes, and yeah, over a period of time, kind of ventured on into dealing with companies in the UK. So between London and Manchester and various places and picked up some global experience on, uh, along the way as well. So that was my background. And what we're doing today is it's the technology to the front of that uh, that we, we, we've we built out. So we've built out Epion, which is a fully functioning HR, HRIS with an integrated employee benefits and people analytics modules. So yeah. we, we bring the power of technology to these employers that historically I've worked with. All to do with their HR function, their employee benefits and people analytics.
0: Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And I love these stories of folks that came kind of from the corporate side. There's a problem that needed addressing and you couldn't get it solved for yourself. So you know what? I'm gonna go start a company and and fix it. I know you guys are, are growing rapidly. And it's one of the reasons I want to have you on the podcast as if there's longtime listeners, which we do have longtime listeners. It's a little bit all about the growth and the journey for these B2B companies. And we've had founders that have you know, crossed that threshold, began the scale. But what I find is fascinating is, is getting a firsthand account from founders that are, that are in it right now. So before we kind of get into the the detail that maybe take a step back and say, hey, how did you go from working on the corporate side to, hey, I've got an idea for a company and then launching the company? Because I think a lot of people have ideas, but never really act on it. So I'd love to hear kind of the origin story of of Epion.
1: Yeah, I I suppose. Yeah, bring it back a number of years. So I suppose going back to kind of 2016. I'm servicing a number of clients, and a lot of pain points in the industry was all to do with the administration around benefits and getting access to the data that's required. So, if you've got a group life insurance plan or group income protection, group medical insurance for your employees, you need to be able to access your data. And unfortunately, the mid market is hugely under catered for in the HR tech space in both Ireland and the United Kingdom. So, I looked at it and said, well, how could we bring a technology solution to the table that would both benefit the customers, but also benefit us? Because it means that if we gave them a platform that they could use, they could populate their data. And then when we call them and say, hey, Brett, send us all your renewal data, which is name, address, date of birth and all the other details that we need to complete the renewal process. They have it at the touch of a button because we've provided that technology to do it. And, you know, if you're a multi-billion dollar business and you can afford the services of the big guys, Mercer, Willis, Towers Watson, and all these guys, and you can afford the HR tech platforms, the SAPs, the Articles, the Workdays of this world, to build you a bespoke platform to work across multi-jurisdictions. So, you know, if you've got a population in the United States and you've got some people in Europe and maybe people in Singapore and Australia, it's very difficult to find a platform that will actually service those needs across all those territories. So we actually decided. Well, what we want to do is we want to go after those larger mid-market companies, but we want to stay away from the enterprise level for now. I'm not saying we won't go there, but we we may in due course. We wanted to build out a solution that would work. So I, I was thinking about this, and you know, I was I was following some stuff that was going on in the U.S. A couple of different uh, platforms that had 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 grown out of nowhere. And I said, right, OK, I, I want to do this and I want to go for global domination. I'm, you know, I live on I live the island of Ireland, five population 5 million, there, thereabouts. And uh, our next door neighbors in the United Kingdom, there's, there's 60 million people on the island. So I said, right, we'll start with Ireland, UK. So I, had a, I have a, a connection who's now my co-founder. Uh, Neil Fallon is his name. And uh, Neil was also an employee benefits guy based in the UK. And myself and Neil worked together on a lot of various accounts, where he served his business for me in the UK, so my my Irish clients had, a, had had people on the ground in the UK. He would facilitate that, do the advice piece, do the placement, all that kind of stuff. So myself and Neil started to talk, and I'm sorry, I used to reciprocate and do stuff for the UK companies he had that had a presence in Ireland. So we used to talk over, you know, a couple of beers on a, a couple of beers on a sunny day, saying, you know, we need to do something together. Let's open up our own business together. And we threw technology into the mix, and that's where the conversation started about the technology. But then we soon realized that look we we can do the regulatory piece, we can set up the brokerage, we can get the licenses from the various regulators. we can do all that because that's what we know and that's that's the space we operate in, but we were missing the technology piece. so both Neil and I had met Ernest Legrand who's based in New York and so. Funny story about Ernest. I I called Ernest one day from London, and I told him I was going to be in New York the following Wednesday, and could I buy him lunch? And he said, absolutely, yeah. What time? So we set up a time. Said I'd come back and confirm a location, and then as soon as I hung up the call, I had to book my flights because I had never attended <laughs> on being in the US. <laughs> but I wanted to. I I, want, I wanted to sit with the guy, and I just wanted to tell him about what we wanted to do. So I, I approached Ernest, but you know, it was it was different. It was I, you know, myself and Neil had agreed we put money into this. We also then convinced Ernest to put money into it too. So it wasn't about myself and Neil putting money in and Ernest building the product. It was about bringing the three of us together as equal business partners to build out what, what, what the dream was and the dream was the platform. So yeah. I suppose that's, that's a bit of a long-winded answer to your, your question, but that, that, that's where we started.
0: No, it makes it makes sense. And I love the approach with the kind of the co-founder looking for complementary strengths, right? Because I think a lot of the time we see these, I mean, the two things, and we were talking a little bit off air, some of these co-founder relationships don't work when you don't share the same vision for what you're trying to get to. So so before you yeah. started building, was there some time just making sure you guys were aligned or that come together pretty quick that you all were looking at kind of the same outcome?
1: Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I mean, three three of us are at different stages of our life. Myself and Neil to be quite close in age and Ernest is a little bit ahead of us and his, his, ki- his kids are grown up. The vision was always let's build something incredible and let's go and see what we can do with this. Obviously, let's go for a global reach and, and see where we go. As, as I always say, if, look, if you reach for the stars and you land on the clouds, it's it's, it's not a bad place to be, right? So the, the three of us agreed, yes, we want to build something. Yes, we want to scale it. And, and you know, talking about having your co-founders compliment what you do. Like I I have I have some serious strengths in comparison to Neil and Ernest, but likewise both of those guys have serious strengths that would be probably my weaknesses. It's great to have your co-founders that actually compliment you, but your communication is key. And yeah. advice that I would give to any, anyone looking to start a business who's looking to bring in, to bring in fellow co-founders or whatever the case might be, make 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 sure that you compliment each other. Because the more you complement each other, the more people find, you know, oil and water will always find its own level. And if everyone can do the same thing, you're going to have that, people are going to clash. The, the relationship is vital. And, and we're, we're very lucky. We've got a, myself, Ernest and Neil, have a, we've got a fantastic relationship. I mean, we, we've all stayed in each other's houses when we've traveled. You know, as I said, I'm based in Ireland full-time. Neil's in London full-time. Ernest is based in New York full-time. So, you know, when we do travel, we do, we do try and stay with each other in our, in our homes. So our families have got to know each other and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's important. It, it, it helps, it helps the things. You know?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, that's what I kind of love about this story is you started with the kind of that vision, the dream, and maybe we can get a little tactical. that said, all right, you guys have met, you're on board, you're going. Now, did you build a prototype first, or did you do some pre-selling with some of the networking? You just kind of Walk us through the yeah. how did you get up
1: and walking? So, I suppose, well, the, the initial part was okay, well, look, we've got this great idea, but you know, what happens if we build something and nobody uses it? Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that do, unfortunately, that Brett, you, you know as well as I do that that does happen. People have these ideas that they kind of go, no, we can do this, we can make it work, we can make it work. And then they go to market and you know, nobody wants to use it. Right. So, we looked at it and said, okay, what do we need to do? So, we went and we actually identified our target market. We went and spoke to some of those companies. So both myself and Neil had, we, we, we had clients that we were working with at the time. So we were able to talk to those guys and say, look, if, if, if somebody was to bring a product to market that did this, this, and this, is this something that would interest you? And again, we were pushing an open door because an awful lot of these businesses were using Excel spreadsheets and filing uh, cabinets. Okay. So having those early on kind of conversations, they were like, yeah, absolutely, you know, absolutely, and and, and so, some of these companies that came on board as early early users, and thankfully they're they're still with us today, and they've they've obviously benefited from the money that we've invested in the platform since we built the first version one we'll call it uh, right up to where we are today, which is. I mean, you know, if you were if you were to ask me back in 2016 what this would look like, yeah. I would never I would never have envisaged the the animal that we've created that's that 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 sits in our technology. It's it's incredible, it's so powerful.
0: Yeah, interesting. Now, would you guys consider yourself uh maybe have to for valuations a technology company or are you a services company or have you have you gotten no, we're, to define it yet?
1: we're well i mean look we're we're tech we're technology to the front and, and those services fall in behind and we're having a lot of success at the moment with companies where we're going in with the technology that's opening the door and we're new and we're fresh and we're brilliant and we can do things that other people can't do and we're more affordable than those big guys that i mentioned earlier on so we're we're, we're having great success where we go in with the technology and then you know we pick up the benefits and we pick up the insurance piece as well so it's, uh, but we're we're very much a technology to the front business, and from a calculating valuation perspective, I suppose at the moment it's a it's a blend because there's income coming in on both sides. However, where we see our income in the future is 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 definitely from the the, the SaaS, the, you know, the platform side of the business.
0: Yeah, but to your point, you got to be kind of differentiated, right? Somebody can come in and tech, copy the technology over time. It's what are you doing to the rest to provide those those services. Now I love yeah. I love these type of businesses and seeing more and more of that. I just had somebody on recently, Erica Bischoff, who's I would call I don't know if I like the word modernizing an old industry, but in essence, she's doing with trade associations. You know, I had Nicole Wood on, who's taking a whole new approach to, to coaching, right. And kind of light and wellness that, you know, because everybody's done it the same way forever and ever. And then you find a better way or a new way, not just new, but I think it does have to be better to do it. But.
1: Yeah. And I look at the insurance industry, the world over, whether it's, it's property and casualty insurance or it's, or it's the placement of benefits. It's a very, very, the technology that's used in that industry. It's a very outdated, tech stack. And, you know, if you look at the insurance companies, they're usually an amalgamation of five or six different huge organizations that have come together. You picture, uh, you know, a huge amount of technology servers that are all duct taped together, with wires coming out of one end to the other, and they they find it difficult to get the data out of their own tech. So trying to connect to external tech is quite difficult for them at the moment. But, you know, where, where we'd like to see where we go with our business, and we're having conversations with some of these providers at the moment. Um, and we're having conversations with different third parties who already have integrations with uh, some of the carriers is we hold a lot of the information in our platform that's needed to help with the renewal process or even the underwriting process for different types of schemes. So what we want to do is we want to connect that so you can have that end to end solution from from quotation to purchase to renewal. It's all done and the client doesn't have to get stuck and bogged down in producing heavy data and nobody gets missed and all that kind of stuff. So that that's that's part of our journey is the whole connectivity piece and living in that connected world, which is fantastic. And, and, you know, the insurance companies and the carriers there, they're doing their best to modernize what they have. It's a costly, timely exercise for those guys.
0: Yeah, no. And I think that's the truth. I mean, we shared a little bit offline, you know, 30 years bounce back and forth between enterprise B2B and, and startup. And, these bigger, larger B2B companies are going to have a really hard time pivoting into the digital first, which was coming, but the, the pandemic basically shut the door and it's coming and it's here. And, you know, trying to modify what you have in order to align with the buyer's preferences, be really difficult, where if you could build it from scratch, right, to to build it differently, you know, definitely has the, the competitive advantage and you know, like I said, yeah. that's what I like about these stories of lived it, you had the problem, you figured it, thought about how to solve it, and then you took action.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and and just and just just on that, I suppose, well, just to dig a little bit deeper into one of the problems that we can solve. There is a HR tech platform which will remain anonymous. So I won't won't, won't drop their name in it. But if you if if you're a customer of theirs in the United States, they have their tech stack in the United States. And if you then have people working for you as a US business in let's say the United Kingdom or Singapore, there are different tech stacks that you're using. And Mm -hmm. the big issue is, is that those tech stacks don't talk to each other. So if you have a population of a thousand people working for you as a business and they're in, let's say four or five different countries, if you're using different tech stacks in those countries, yes, the name above the door is the same. However, from a reporting perspective from a, you know, from a benefits rollout from All that kind of stuff you you actually can't see. So you actually have to go in and understand your data. And because those tech stacks, because they're siloed, they're usually an amalgamation of different tech stacks. So there could be two or three companies in the UK that came together. They brought the best of their tech, stuck it all together, and it sits there. But it's completely different tech and completely different data fields that you might have in the U.S. version of what we've seen as the same business. And what we've done is we've actually built out the ability. So if you're a United, if you're a company based headquartered in the United States, and our, just just for for clarity, our 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 target market are companies between two hundred and fifty and two and a half thousand employees. Okay, right? and, and and the reason for that is because we see that they're they're hugely under catered for in this space. But if they have multiple jurisdictions that they operate in, we can do everything from the simple things like. If you've got people who are based in New York and they've got different types of annual leave entitlement to the people who are based in Scotland or the people who are based in Madrid and Spain, you can configure the platform for those offices and those locations for those people. And the same you can do with the benefits. Okay, so the employee benefits in each of those jurisdictions and locations are going to be very different. In the United States, you're going to have your 401k and your your health plan. You're going to have your life cover and maybe your income protection. In, in, in Spain, in, in different parts of Europe, you've got different mandatory benefits. So from a compliance perspective, you need to be able to make sure that your, your your mandatory benefits are in place. We help with all that. But again, the reporting the reporting side of it can be done from HQ or from, well, sorry, from any administrator on the platform. They can go in and run uh, the analytics part of our platform, which would give them all of that information that they need. So it's it's the ability to use the platform wherever you go. And client doesn't have to come to us and say, hey, Dave. We're after opening an open office in Singapore, can you add Singapore to the platform? They do it themselves. They upload the data. They go in and tweak the system. They configure it. They can push out benefits that are only relevant to those people in Singapore. They can push out benefits that are, that are across the organization to everybody. And it's, it, it, it's about giving the power to the employer to be able to tweak the system to make it work for them. And that's, that's where we saw it was missing.
0: Yeah, and I think from a timing perspective, I mean, I think we're heading remote and global anyway, but I think we're just at the beginning of, right, if if people are going to work remote, one, they don't have to live in the cities anymore, right? They also don't have to live in North America. You could be hiring folks across the globe. And I've had founders that are doing that with, with remote work. So the old systems would be really difficult to kind of manage a, a global workforce, right? Regardless of yeah. if they're country specific or a bunch of independents that you have now coming together. So
1: yeah,
0: interesting, interesting, interesting. So I wanted to ask you, as you guys could already get going, you had the idea, you talked to some early customers about what they were looking for and would that be beneficial? So I'm just curious, did you make any pivots after you had the first few customers up and running? Did you learn anything that kind of oh, fundamentally we, changed. I'm sure you did, but
1: anything yeah. material? <laughs> how long? How long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, we it's been it's been a huge learning curve all all along the way. I mean, we've you know we we've developed relationships with uh, with partners where they've they they've brought uh, clients to the table and stuff like that, and we've learned a huge amount from it. Yeah, I suppose you know as as I said, I mean, you know, if you were to ask me back in 2016, 2017, what this would look like in 2021. The, the vision I had back then versus the reality today are poles apart. And I mean, my vision from 2016 probably stopped about two versions ago. So we've done so much more since then. And yes, we've we've learned a huge amount. And we pivoted. I mean, look, we, we did something totally se- we're well, not, not totally separate, it's part, it's part of EPION. But back when COVID hit, we, we had some companies who came to us and they were like, Look, we we need to, we're essential service, we need to remain open and we we need to screen our employees every day. You know, do you have a temperature? Are you waiting a test result? All that kind of stuff. And we were asked, can we configure that in the platform? And the answer was like, yeah, look, there's a workaround, but it's not ideal. But let's, we'll actually build something separate. So we did. So within four weeks, we had a prototype of what we call ScreenIn.me. Uh, we released it and we've got companies in the United States. We've got companies in Ireland, the UK, using this platform on a daily basis. We've, uh, we've got a school here in Ireland who are using it with the students. Where the parents go in every day and answer all the questions and it, and again there's reporting functionality behind that so it wasn't a pivot from we get away from the hr stuff it was this was an addition and that product will have a life after covid because it yeah. could be used for you know it's 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 a i mean i suppose it's, it's like a questionnaire tool you know you can you can you can push it out to your employees they can go in and fill it in on their mobile phone and it can populate back in and you can run reports off it so that was one pivot we did back when when covid happened and and it and it was great it it opened so many doors you now we're do, we're doing business with some with, with some sizable operators in the united states um unfortunately the contract prohibits from mentioning names unfortunately sure. you know the usual but yeah but a great experience of 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 doing something different
0: yeah but still tying back to the customer experience and and delivering on that that value and You know, now that what we're five years or so into this product, just curious—is there anything you would have done differently, right, as you learned going through this process, and maybe share with some other founders that are in the earlier stages of the company?
1: Yeah, I think—is there—is there there anything we would have done differently? I think it would have been—it would have been good to take money a little bit earlier. We were never really in a hurry to take money, and we we wanted to take the right money, and you know, that was a that was a journey in itself, but. We got some great money on board, some great advisors around us, uh, which which has all worked out good. It, it, you know, would we have done things differently? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, because one thing, and you know, we're we're raising money at the moment, and it's it's time. You you do you run out of time very very quickly as an individual. So, if if I could carbon copy myself, Neil and Ernest, and and, and some of the rest of the team that work with us, you know, I think I'd i double I double the workforce. You know, have a carbon copy of everybody running around, but. It's yeah, taking money on earlier would have would have helped us resource and maybe maybe free up more of my time for me to focus on selling and and getting out there uh, quicker. But look, I've no regrets. We've we no regrets on it. We're you know very happy where we are at the moment, and th- things are thankfully uh, going quite well for us at the moment, which is great.
0: Yeah, no, the expansion into different countries. So yeah, you obviously pulled and pushed the right buttons, but yeah, it's kind of a yeah. a common tale with founder or co-founders, right? That it's how long are we in the day-to-day and the bottleneck of everything in the business before we bring additional... And there's a balance to it, right? Because you bring in too many people too early. You don't have necessarily the cash flow to do it. Uh, the other thing I hear a lot of and read and research is you know, founders that bring a bunch of money in early, but they don't really have a plan for it, right? And you don't use it efficiently. And so that, you know, that part of my corporate world says, man, I could... You give me, you know, two dollars. I'm going to figure out how to maximize those two dollars. But a lot of founders don't necessarily have yeah. that. That
1: yeah, you know, they go. The and, and, <laughs> but what, what what I've what I've seen a lot of as well is people, people raise a lot of money. They hire a lot of people, but their but but their products the product isn't quite right. I suppose yeah, it's 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 quite easy. You can blow you, you can blow through money. You, you take the money and it'll always you know pe- people's pockets don't refuse money. So if you're if you're out there if you're out there with money in your pocket to spend, people will take it from you. Yeah, exactly. Make
0: sure you have a plan. That's always my advice. Make sure you know what you want want to do with it. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Just curious, too. I'm a a process guy at heart. So, you know, again, this is one of those balances of too much process and rigor too early is, is probably not the right thing. But as you start to scale the business, you've got to have the repeatable process. So when did you guys start to add? or are you in the process of adding to some processes? And again, it's specifically more around the go-to-market than it is.
1: Yeah, I, I suppose, Brett, I mean, co- coming from and, and being involved and still being part of a, a highly regulated industry, um, you know, pro- processes have always been at the front of what we do. So, you know, the, the like the, our, our, the regulator here in Ireland, the Central Bank of Ireland or the FCA in the UK, you know, there's a huge amount of processes that you have to follow uh, with regard to, you know, customers and, and, and how you sell. So we, we've we always had that. But I suppose, you know, from the tech side of things, you know, from the selling of the tech, you know, I suppose we've trialed, we've tried different sales ideas and different ways to do things. And some some have worked, some have been horrendously bad. And and look, you live and learn. And and, and if, if you get through, if you get through your working week and you haven't learned anything, well, you haven't tried anything new. So it's, it's yeah look we're we're i suppose we're still in the process from that side of things we're still we're still implementing processes to you know to get there but we we do we've got a we've got a lot of good processes in place but where we raise the money that will help us it'll help us scale quicker you know i mean if we if we just carry on doing what we're doing we'll, we'll become a solid business no doubt about it the organic growth that we've had over the last couple of years you know we're doing quite well you know by taking in the money it's going to help us accelerate that
0: yeah, that's a good point. Maybe a good another good segue for me. Say, all right. So, like I said, you got good traction. You've got you know footprints now in six countries. We're,
1: well, we're in no, no. We're sorry. We're 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 in Ireland. We're we're in Ireland. We're in the UK. So we've do we are we've offices in Dublin in Ireland. We've offices in Manchester and London in the UK. And we have an office in Perth, in Australia. Oh, And we are going into the United States in Q3 of this year. So Ernest is based in New York. So we will be we'll be launching. We'll be incorporating in the US in Q in the, I suppose yeah September, say Q4.
0: Gotcha. Oh, it's going to get exciting if it hasn't been already. (laughs) I mean, again, it's it's always interesting to me to have these conversations and hear from founders, because again, there's that balance of how quickly do you go, right? There's that philosophy, let's raise $200 million and just blanket the the globe you know that doesn't that rarely works right so i i appreciate the the approach that you guys are being calculated with it in
1: our, our technology has to change and has to has to adapt to different different territories you know like for, for example in the united states i mean you you guys have a term called cobra which relates to your health insurance so it's it's the ability to take your health insurance plan with you when you leave a leave an employer or an employer lets you go and lets you take it with you so we've had to adapt for that. There's no other market in the world that actually has that process. So we've had to adapt the platform to make sure that it, it caters for that. So there's there, and there's lots of other smaller bits and pieces that have to be done in the way things are, are, are structured to give clients the ability to switch on and switch off different parts of the platform that are fit for, for them in their territory, even terminology. So there's, there, there's lots of things. Flying to the United States and saying, we are here uh, with you know with money in your back pocket is it's 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 one way to well it's one way to it's it's one way to fail but it's uh, it can work out sometimes for people too right yeah <laughs> you do you, you do hear stories of people just landing and kind of going I'm here and it takes off like a rocket ship for them but it has to be a bit calculated and there's got to be a strategy behind it so yeah uh, that's, I suppose we we've, we've take we've taken our time on it.
0: Yeah, no, which is, which is fantastic. And you, you talked about the fundraising and I know that's a big thing for a lot of early stage founders as they're thinking about fundraising. So any advice or recommendations as you've gone through this, maybe again, as you do differently or just.
1: Uh, yeah, look, I, I suppose, look, there's, 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 there's lots of money out there at the moment. There's, you know, there's a huge amount of money. I, you know, I always say you've got to try and find the right money. So just because, ju- just because someone's willing to give you money um, until you, until you see the and until you see the T's and C's. That they're gonna that they're gonna throw on the table. Um I, I, I would say look, you know, look for the right money because it's the it's the people behind the money that can bring value add. And you know, we've we've got some we've we've some great people behind us where I could pick up the phone. You know, I spoke sp- spoke to two of them yesterday. I I could pick up the phone and have a conversation. Just say look I've 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 taken, I've got something in my head I want to blurt it out. I want to have a conversation and they're at the other end of the phone. So it's it's important that you you get the support. And look, I know as businesses grow and as you get into your 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 professional investors, you know your private equity, your Series A, your Series B, things might change. But again, a lot of those guys bring huge supports to the table as well. So yeah, it's um, it, it, it's not just about the money; it's about the it, it, it's about the people behind the money and the supports they can bring. I think it's such a great
0: point and too often I think founders just settle for the somebody that's willing to invest right versus looking at it from a strategic and maybe sometimes there there are no other options but to your point there's a lot of capital out there now and I think the other thing that sometimes founders underestimate is when they take on capital. It changes the timing, right? The the pressure is a little different once you're co founders and if you guys are bootstrapped or at least friends and family or angels to now you've taken somebody else's money, the clock accelerates. So you've got to be ready. For, I don't know if pressure is the right word. Maybe it is pressure, but a different different timeline with different stakeholders than maybe what you yeah, were doing. Well,
1: used you're, to. You become answerable to people. So if yeah. someone picks up the phone and asks you a question, you have to answer it. Right? <laughs> so it's. <laughs> It's that, <laughs> yeah. So pick, pick their money. Don't be in a hurry. That's, yeah. that, that'd be, that'd be my advice. Yeah.
0: That, that's awesome. All right. Before I get to my, my last question that I ask everybody, you know, anything else, man, I've, I've loved this conversation, right. And I love these types of stories to hear from folks that are, you know, in the fire as we speak and, and growing any other advice for people thinking about starting a company or that are in the process that you'd share.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid of competition don't, don't be afraid of, you know, don't be afraid of talking about your idea because I hear, I hear so often I hear people, oh, you know, if I, if I tell people and talk about it, people will copy my idea. I I remember back in our early days, myself and Neil actually did a, we, we did a presentation to a room full of people. And it was, it was actually a friend of ours, whose wife was at the airport, who had been at the same conference. And overheard these two guys kind of going, those those guys in Epion are onto something. I think we're we're just going to copy what they're doing and do it ourselves. And yeah, they never did, but there was a conversation that they had at the airport. Someone overheard it, and it's like, oh, do you know what? I, I actually took that as a compliment and I was like, I, and I actually laughed to myself kind of going, well, I, I've been through the build. So I I know the frustrations and the pain to get to where we're getting, to where, where, where we've come to. Best of luck to those guys starting from scratch and then trying to understand why the system does what it does. Because I suppose my, my the best example of that, myself and my mother-in-law, we did a cooking course together. So uh, I mentioned earlier on, my, my darling wife is from Australia and we met her mom uh, in Thailand on a holiday years ago. And it was my kind of first holiday away with my in-laws and myself and herself went and did a cooking course. And in the cooking course, we were given the same ingredients. We were told how to cook the food the exact same way And lo and behold, my food was terrible. Her food was awesome. So we we did a cooking course and I ate all her food because it was amazing. So just because you you have the same ingredients or you have the same technology doesn't mean that the end result is the exact same. So don't be afraid of competition. Competition is always good. Competition is healthy. Just because you're first doesn't mean that you're going to win. Facebook wasn't the first social media platform. Look at them now. I mean, you know, you've TikTok, you've, well, they own Instagram, but all the other stuff that came along thereafter and uh yes yeah, so don't be afraid to tell people your story and and ask people for their advice because if you don't ask for advice you won't get it
0: yeah it's such good advice too and it's all it is all about execution right the idea is everybody's got an idea but can you execute against it and and frankly if you tell somebody your idea and they can execute better than you maybe you weren't in the right business right hey, to, yeah, to begin as, with
1: hey, uh, as as a uh, as a very good friend of mine says ideas are cheap yeah you know, i mean yeah it's it's execution is key, so it's 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 about it's about joining the dots and putting the building blocks in place to make it happen,
0: yeah yeah, yeah, so the, uh, to your point too first first movers sometimes win most of the time they don't it's it's who can execute better, and you know that's why I spend a lot of time with founders is it it's about execution, and you know one of the the stats, there's two stats that I use all the time. And it's kind of what drives me is 10% of all startups get to a million in revenue and only one out of 100 get to 10 million. And people like, well, you know, it's a passion project or a side hustle. And that's why I didn't get to 10. But when I look at only 10% of the million dollar companies get to 10 million, that's where I have a problem. Because as you know, to get to a a half a million in revenue, a million in revenue is really hard. You're doing some things right. You've got customers there's no reason why you can't get to 10 and it's, it's about execution because there's so many different moving pieces you have to get right going through it. But, you know, so again, that's, that's why with this podcast is why I do is, you know, to help more people that have the good ideas and just execute just a little bit better to, to get to that 10 million mark. Yeah,
1: Just to make it happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, easier said than done. I know, and obviously they prove that. But one company at a time. So yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, I look. i we're still on. Our, we're still very much in our early journey. So we'd love to blow this out of the park and get to get to 10 million, get to 20 million, get to 50 million in revenues. That's the dream. And you know, we. I think I said before we came on. Look, global global domination. We 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 want to be a market leader in what we do, and we're not just going to settle for. Ireland, UK, Australia, you know, we're looking at the US, you know, we, we, we want to go global with this. That's the dream.
0: Well, we need the help. I mean, our benefits and insurance is not exactly highly efficient at the moment. So yeah, I, I definitely, definitely there's room for you here to, to there is, there's lots here.
1: of, uh, there's lot, there is this huge opportunity. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. So I always like to end the, every interview with the one question is what is one thing you, David would highly recommend, and this could be personal, professional, you know something that's that's just important to you
1: always make time for family and friends if if it's it's one thing i've learned from the pandemic i mean pre pre-pandemic i spent a lot of time on airplanes and traveling around the world and 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 i enjoyed it it was great but what i've learned through the pandemic is that there's there, there's more to life and you, you got to look after your loved ones and whether that's immediate family i've i've, I've married with small with small kids and I've got to do the school run. If I wasn't at my desk at seven o'clock in the morning, I was on a flight at 6.30 at a Dublin airport, you know, I, I, I didn't get to see them. Whereas the last 18 months, I've got to spend a huge amount of time with them, you know, from getting up in the morning to going to bed at night. And it's, it just shown me the importance of family, you know, and, and working and putting blood, sweat and tears into a business. It's great. And the end result could be phenomenal. But you need to enjoy life at the same time. So just always make time yeah. for family and friends. You
0: know. No, I love that, and you're right. I think a lot of people have learned that you can you can do both, right? You can have a family and spend time and still build a, a high growth business, right? There's
1: it's yeah, just, yeah. Like, oh. uh, and, and look, and it comes, it boils down. Look, it's, I say family and friends because there, there's lots of people out there who are on their business journey who they don't have an immediate family. They may still be single or they may not have kids or a partner or whatever the case might be. So your circle of friends, and it's because it's your escape. It, it's your outside of work. It, it's, your, it's your zen place. It's your happy place. And that's, it's important to have that. And whatever that is, and it, look, it doesn't have to be family and friends. Maybe your zen place is, is climbing a mountain on your own. Like, make time for you. Do what makes you happy in your spare time. Because sitting at a desk for 16 hours a day is not going to do you any good. And it could put you in an early grave.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I 100% agree with that. And I think you'll be more productive if you do kind of separate those two. Absolutely. David, thank you very much. And if folks want to uh, connect with you, what's the best way for them to to learn more about you, the company and and connect?
1: Yeah, they can contact us through epion.com. That's E-P-P-I-O-N-E.com. Send an email through to support and the guys in support will send it through to me. Uh, or you'll find me on LinkedIn. I'm very, very active on LinkedIn. So David Kindlin, K-I-N-D-L-O-N, you'll find me there and uh, be delighted to connect and have conversations. And if anybody wants to reach out for a chat, always up for a chat and a conversation.
0: Awesome. And folks, it's well worth your time if you can catch some time with David. So he's been very generous, <laughs> not only on this podcast, but our, our talks prior to this. So if you don't mind, I'd love to check back in with you another you know, 12 months or so just to see where you are on the journey. And I think people would be interested to hear you know, how it's going. I think it's fast. Yeah. That'd
1: be, that'd be, that'd be great, Brett. Yeah, anytime. Absolutely. Awesome. And, and hopefully someday we'll have a beer. that will be yes. better again.
0: I think we're getting closer, but uh, you know, we see the light at the end of the tunnel and yeah. And I'll come to Ireland. I know you said the weather's not spectacular, but I'll take my chances.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, you, you, you won't get wet sitting on a bar still. <laughs> <That's incredible.
0: laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thanks again, David. Have a great rest of your day. We'll catch up with you soon.
1: Thanks, Brett. Take care. Oh. <laughs>